is all grit. Hosted by Animation Tanya. In the 10th episode of our podcast, we are in conversation with Webhav Bhaseen, a lead product designer at Kojak. Webhav had a bumpy start to his career, but through his indomitable spirit and grit, powered through and made the best of that experience. He talks to us about the right competencies and demand and the mindset required to design consumer-centric products. He highlights the common pitfalls product managers and MBAs should stay away from and how products should not just be viable but lovable. Hey Webhav, welcome to the podcast. Hi Animesh, hi Danya. Thanks for having me here. Hi, really, really glad to have you here and looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, me too. So, Webha, the first thing which we want to discuss is the un- interesting career you've had so far. Uh, you did your engineering in computer sciences, and then you joined a very early stage startup, Talentpad, as a designer. Which and Talentpad ran out of business in three months, I think, and you had to find a new job again. And then you went to PepperTab, which was a prominent player in the B two C grocery space, but still a startup. And they pivoted after ten months, in where they had to downsize a little, and you had to find a job again after thirteen months. so within like around one year of your engineering you had to find two jobs now you are finding a third job right what was going on in your head when all of this was happening um actually uh, me coming into design was a very is also a very interesting story so um, i didn't really know design as a uh, like a discipline existed uh, till i actually joined college because i am from kanpur and i didn't have anyone to guide me around that so when i was in college and um, i started making so I, i'm a computer science engineer and we had to make a lot of projects and all so all my batchmates and all were uh, making websites and all and no one actually cared about how they look and um, that was something that bugged me a lot so i started designing those things i was always um, good at photoshop and all those things so i used to design my websites and even the presentations i used to do and i started realizing the impact it creates so it's like the aesthetic usability effect uh, if i may say so if something looks good people just perceive it's better so i started realizing that uh, like the professors think that my presentations are better just because they look good or even if i don't put a lot of effort into coding or the functionality of my uh, websites and all, all the applications that i made even just because they looked good it just started getting better response from the professors and everyone so that's what kind of drove me to design then i started my own design studio in college and i started uh, making posters and websites and apps for different college societies and small startups and all and i think that's how i kind of built my portfolio so i got placed in um, one of the mncs um, in college and i since all my friends were going there i thought that i'll go there and have a nice career trajectory like what normal people have but uh, then i think i got an offer from talentpad um and i decided to go there it was a um, big decision for me because i had to convince my parents around that too and startups were not that big a thing that time so my parents didn't know anything about this culture at all and i had to leave something which is uh, safe and reputed to go for something that works out of a garage so uh, that kind of a thing was there but i i think it i convinced them somehow salaries definitely helped they were fancy that time um going to talentpad i think i um, the best thing that i got there were a lot of mentors um, there were a lot of very very smart people there and i actually learned a lot from them even if it was for just 3 months i think i learned uh, something that i wouldn't have learned in years in an mnc or something like that so after talentpad actually um, they 
pivoted to something very very different and um, uh, we all had to look for a new job so um, it actually uh, uh, struck me very hard because i thought that okay i had already given up on that mnc opportunity and now i have to go and find a new job i had already told all my friends about it and it was like i i was very scared about what was going to happen but i think in those few days when i was actually looking for a job i realized what the market and what the demand of such um, skills is so i saw that okay there are a lot of startups which are hiring designers i started getting offers and i think in just a few days i had so many offers and then i decided to go for paperta so i think in that time where um, this entire thing i could have just gotten scared and went away and gone to probably an mnc or changed back to being a developer or something like that but um i stuck with being a designer and i think it paid off in the end because um i realized the importance of the skill set and the demand in the market for it and similarly when i was in paper tap we uh, worked there for 10 months it was an amazing team we built products which had such a large user base it was totally customer centric and building a design which impacts so many people is actually really really fun so yeah i think um, you just have to believe in um, what you think you're good at or what you love doing and i think it will work out in the end so probing a little bit more you said that uh, you you burned your hand twice right startups designing and both of the times you, you your company had to leave you or you had to leave the company so why not uh, pivot to something like be, being a developer in an mnc or something like that why what stopped you what what made you think that i should try this again um so yeah i think this was a um, pretty interesting choice for me because um, i was a developer and i actually loved coding so when i even joined talentpad i was um, telling um, uh, my cto that i actually want to try my hand at everything i want to try front end i want to try back end i want to um, do design as well and i think i can do all that i can juggle all this and slowly i'll probably explore which uh, part i like the most and go from there but uh, what he told me was like you can either be a jack of all trades or a master of one and that's when i decided that it's probably better for me to go for something that i love doing uh, because i don't want to um wake up every monday and think that oh shit i have to go to work so doing something you love uh, actually makes that part a lot easier i know it was a big risk because um i personally think that i was not that great at design that time so um i learned slowly but yeah i think uh, having good mentors and just believing in yourself um uh, that's the job um great so uh, now this question we usually keep for the end where we ask our guests for actionable advice for you know mba students who are preparing for roles that our guests have expertise in uh, but what is quite unique about you specifically is that even though you don't have an mba but you uh, often end up interviewing and hiring a lot of mbas right so mm-hmm. i just want to know from you what competencies are in demand right now according to you and what should someone enrolled in mba right now focus on and build your into course so i work with a lot of product managers to be very specific so um and i hire a lot of them as well so i think the first thing that i look for anyone i'm hiring be it a uh, mba be it a product manager or even a designer is their ability to questions so whenever someone throws a problem at you before even thinking about how to solve it and um what other solutions are possible things that we can explore the first thing is that whether this problem is even worth solving or not the why of are we solving this problem is very very important like you'll be surprised that 
if you start asking this why question to every problem that is thrown at you, there will be so much clarity that you'll get. And there are so many things that are not even worth solving. So you need to understand the need of a problem or you need to actually go dive deep and understand what is the real crux of it before actually jumping into solutions. So I think that's the first thing that we focus on. Another thing that is very important is who is, are we solving this problem for? What is the impact that it's gonna create? And when I say, who are we solving it for? It's not just the end users. There are so many stakeholders that are involved in everything that you will do. There will be the business, there will be the partners, there will be vendors. In our case, there will be drivers. So there are so many people who are involved in one problem that you're solving. A manager or even a designer needs to have that wide holistic view of things that a small change that you're making is actually changing so many gears and how are they actually working out in the end is something that we need to consider. You need to set goals and you need to understand the need of each of these um, gears in your entire engine and then figure out how it works. So yeah, I think that is also important. Another thing which I uh, feel is very, very specific to product managers is that a product manager actually binds the entire product team together. So a very important aspect in their character is to have that confidence to stand up for what they believe in or what their team believes in. So you have to be like that rock for your team. You have to not sway every time a hippo comes in and throws their opinion. Uh, so sorry to just uh, throw in jargons like that, but uh, hippo means like highest paid person's opinion. So if uh, my CEO comes and says that, okay, I don't like this design or I don't think that we should build this. And my entire team has been working on this for months and has put so much effort into it. And the product manager should actually stand up to the CEO because there will be junior people in your team. There will be senior people. There will be people who are introverts and probably cannot speak up uh, their thought process that uh, fluently or that confidently. So yeah, I think PM actually needs to stand up for the team and be that rock, which I, I'm not saying that you need to be so resistant to change. You need to be open to change, but um, you need to still um, stand up for what you believe in rather than just um, going with whatever someone else or someone senior tells, tells you to do. Scalable approach. Okay, so when we zoom out now, right, uh, moving from Gojek to the industry and what is going on right now, how integrated and design and product are, right? Because people follow this philosophy of fail fast, create a lot of MVPs, saturate the market, and depending how the consumers are behaving, change your products accordingly. So will that change? Because in MVPs, we don't see a lot of design happening. Mm -hmm. So um, as you said, like, how integrated our product and design, I think, uh, again, depends on the stage of the company that you're working in. But um, in Gojek and the past few companies that I've worked in, it's actually a very, very core, core uh, part of the process. So in Gojek, I think uh, product managers and product designers are like best friends. It, it's just that the focus is a little different. So product manager focus a little more on the business and the vision of the product. And um, you can say a designer is like the champion for the users and we care a little more about the user needs and all. But the entire workflow is that the product manager and designer work hand in hand. And when it comes to MVPs, I think this um, is a topic which is very close to my heart because I don't personally believe that MVP works in a market like we are right now, where using technology is not like a barrier anymore. It's second nature. And for the next billion users, I think they're gonna like come up with using smartphones and whatnot now. So in this kind of a market where 
your users are just used to having these awesome experiences around them uh an mvp doesn't really work for them so again um it's all very subjective and depends on what kind of product it is or what kind of use case or what kind of industry you're working in but um, let me explain it to you according to maslow's hierarchy of needs pyramid if you map it to users needs the on the base of the pyramid you will have a product which is functional then it will be reliable then it will be usable and then the top of the pyramid is a, it's a pleasurable product so the mvp mindset is trying to fill this bottom up so you start creating by something which is very functional then you think about reliability usability and pleasure is something that most of the people skip it out because it's too late till you reach there so how i think um, i think a lot of companies have taken this approach of building lovable products now so we call it minimal lovable products and uh, th- in this kind of thought process you start filling this pyramid sideways so even the first cut of whatever you build has some part of functionality some part of usability reliability and actually is pleasurable to use as well so such kind of products actually are more sticky to the users because when they use it they take something back with themselves they feel good about using it so yeah i think that is very important we need to kind of move from building these just viable products because in a market where there are such awesome experiences around you viability is not enough you need to have something which is lovable which is pleasurable to use i think that's that's really interesting what you said um now i want to dig a little bit more into the industry um that you are involved in and you know right through your experience at pepper tap locus and now as a product lead product designer at gojek what clearly stands out as a common thread is your affinity towards designing logistics and uh, centric products so uh, what are some of the challenges that this industry brings forth from a ux perspective and uh, why do they excite you why why are you here um i think i just uh, like moving things around <laughs> so uh, it started with paper tap where uh, we were moving groceries so the challenges there were very very different we were trying to build a habit of buying grocery online because 5 years back nobody used online grocery purchasing applications and uh, the entire behavior was very discount driven uh, in india i think a lot of behaviors are still discount driven but now we are slowly um, understanding the convenience aspect of it um in locus the challenge was very different we were removing all kinds of stuff we were uh, working with various businesses and trying to help them with their logistics the challenge there was for, we have to um actually go inside an industry which was very um had very legacy systems there so there actually a lot of work was done manually people used to have big maps on the walls and they used to put pins on it to plan their deliveries and so on so to actually make these um, non tech savvy users and warehouse managers understand the importance of technology and make technology firstly usable for them because again they are not very accustomed to all these complex technological processes and all that and some haven't even used laptops and mobile phones uh, that much so you had to create a product which is very very easy to use and still does all these complex calculations and planning and everything right so you have to create this kind of product and make these um, users understand that this is going to help them being be more productive and not really is like a thing that might take their jobs away so you had to create that kind of a sense so what we kind of did was that made these products very familiar to them so say for example they were used to doing a lot of st- stuff on excel sheets 
and say from a UX standpoint, we think that having maps on the screens and having glowing markers there was the best approach to uh, do it. So we created like a hybrid kind of interface, which still gives them the comfort of using an Excel sheet and all those orders were there and you can see them. But slowly and slowly, we'll try to show them the value of using these advanced tools and then slowly move to them. So it like, it's like a gradual, gradually, like you teach a child, you first teach them the alphabet, then you teach them letters, then words, and so on. So it's just like that. And coming to Gojek, I think the challenges are immense. So firstly, they come with scale. We have millions of orders running every day, millions of users, and every user is different. And now we have expanded to so many countries and every country brings itself with itself new problems, um, culture, background, um, how, uh, tech savvy people are, everything affects it. Even the height of the buildings affects how um, accurate the GPS is or the traffic in that area. Everything affects how the experience of someone taking a cab from point A to point B is going to be, how frictionless it's going to be like. So yeah, a lot of problems come with scale, come with culture and all. And I think um, the core crux of it and how we tackle it is by understanding our users. So we invest a lot in research so whenever we have to build something new, firstly, we try to observe how our users do it in their current natural habitat, if you may say. And we observe how what challenges do they face and try to pinpoint the challenges which are worth solving and which are probably the core pain points of our users. And when we target those, I think then we build a product which is sticky and which actually uh, helps our users in their day-to-day lives. Um, you know, it'll be amazing if you can talk a little bit more about those challenges that you're talking about, because Gojek is in, you know, multiple Asian markets. So how do you, what are the, some of the challenges that you've observed and how do you go about addressing them? Um, a recent project that I did is actually pretty interesting. So, yeah, because even I didn't think that, okay, these kind of insights can be drawn from them. So um, Gojek, we do a lot of branding with our drivers. So uh, our drivers have branded helmets, branded jackets. Currently, we're doing a lot of safety measures because of the pandemic. We are giving them face masks and face shields. So we want our users to be safe and feel safe while using Gojek. So all these um, mandates are there. But it's very hard for us to track whether the drivers are actually following these mandates or not. Whether if you're in a car, did the driver offer you a sanitizer or was there a water bottle in the car or what kind of services, whatever mandates we create, are they being followed or not? Because operationally, and checking every ride is not possible. So I thought that, um, and we, when we discussed this, the first thing that came into our head is like, why don't we ask our users? Every time a user is taking their ride, we can give them an option to give us feedback and report if there is anything missing or if they want to give any other more, any other feedback to us, right? But um, for, so if you, we go for, a, uh, in a very straightforward manner, um, what we'll do is basically build a survey form and just ask our users these questions. We'll ask them, is your driver wearing a helmet? Yes, no. Is your driver wearing a face mask? Yes, no. Uh, this is how a lot of companies in India are doing this and it is um, seemingly working for them, right? But when we actually talk to our users and analyze the market we are building it for, we realize that people in Indonesia are not very comfortable in giving feedback. Even if we build a nice survey form for them, we won't really get feedback because there is an apprehension in them in giving feedback. So the top two reasons of not giving feedback that we found out from our qualitative research was that people actually feel that their feedback is gonna um, result in the drivers getting penalized, which they don't want. And the second was that they don't really want to get confronted by the driver 
for the feedback that they're giving. So they don't want to um, get into a fight or get into an argument with the driver. So these reasons actually change the whole dynamic of how this product has to be designed. So uh, when we had to design a product or a feedback form for them, we had to make the team very friendly and we had how we did was uh, did it was that we created a very nice friendly theme with the driver's image and it felt like the driver is actually asking for feedback to improve his services or gojek is asking for feedback to improve the uh, services and make the trip safe for both the user and the driver because the driver should wear a helmet for safety and they should wear a face mask because it's in terms of everyone's safety right so we had to create an entire theme around it so a normal survey form doesn't work in this kind of page so yeah um, it just speaks for itself that you need to actually understand what your users motivation to do a certain thing and what the inhibitions to do a certain thing are talking about more uh, when it comes to consumers and gojek right you have more than 20 25 products uh, mm-hmm. through which you serve your consumers now was becoming a super app always in gojek's vision and how important were consumers when it comes to the journey of gojek so um journey started in actually 2010 it's been 10 years we just finished our anniversary recently so i have been in gojek for just 3 years so i i have heard this story many times that um for the first 5 years till 2015 gojek didn't even had have an app they worked out of a garage and it was just like a call center where people used to call or bbm or yeah blackberry used to be a thing then so they used to message and just order an ojek ojek means like a motorcycle or a two wheeler scooty there in indonesia so um they used to order an ojek and go to places so for 5 years it worked this way but in those 5 years our team realized that uh, people had started using these services for different things we started as just a uh, riding or a taxi service but now people are actually sending our drivers to get their movie tickets or sometimes to get something from the grocery store or sometimes uh, even send their children to school and these kind of things actually made us realize that there are certain more needs for our users and that's when we diversified our products so now when we launched our app in 2015 it was not just ride hailing we had a product called go send which helps you send packages from one point to another and now it's been used intensively by uh, small and medium um, companies and actually they are sending like even housewives are, se- are sending uh, food stuff around and there are instagram resellers who are using our delivery platform to send their, their packages and all so slowly slowly as um, we realize that there are more needs and we already have this huge partner network and huge driver network so we tried to utilize what we already have to actually fulfill the needs that our users have and that's how slowly slowly products started to evolve and now we have over 25 plus products so yeah i think what worked out for gojek i think uh, after 2015 in 1.5 years we became a unicorn and now we are a decacorn so what worked out for gojek was that the focus was always to solve for what needs our users have we didn't really start just throwing products in the air because we wanted to build them so we, we saw an opportunity we saw a need and we tried to fulfill that so when your entire model and when your entire focus is on customers then your product actually becomes very useful uh, useful for them as well um now there was a very interesting article that i was reading recently uh, that talked about how product design is more of an evolution than a revolution 
and uh, you know because traditional designers are evolving and becoming connected with other disciplines these days so and the article further went on to kind of describe how in order to be a good product designer you have to know more than just the design and the composition principles uh, now with that in context what according to you is the most important thing when it comes to uh, designing products so um, firstly i think product designers um, with time actually found the uh, correct word uh, to actually um envelop everything that they were doing because the roles actually changed over time earlier on people used to call themselves ui designers ux designers ui ux designers and they are still there but product designers is a discipline which actually contains a lot more stuff because designers now have like the seat at the big table they actually influence a lot more than how just your app looks or how it works they influence the overall direction a company is going in um how user centric the entire company is the what is the road map of the product and a lot of other stuff so product designer design is not now not just about composition or visuals or ux as you may say um it contains a lot of aspects of business strategy and how this product is actually going to turn out say 5 years from now so all those things combined make a product designer so um our job is not just around working with um various disciplines inside design such as creatives and all to get the product out but we actually set with business and uh, analytics teams and all the other uh, disciplines involved and then we figure out what is going to be the strategy and what is the road map of our product going to be like we um are involved in setting the okrs of the company and all those things as well um one thing which i feel um product designers need to actually now start focusing on is that um earlier on the focus was all around aesthetics usability and all but now we are um getting ahead in the market and now the experiences around us are getting more and more human more and more awesome so um a lot of time what happens is that um in between all these stringent deadlines and release cycles and all we sometimes lose focus on what we need to create these designs for and what should be like a benchmark of a good design there's a very popular quote by steve jobs that says that design is not what it looks like it's how it works but the actual quote was that design is not what it looks like and feels like design it how it works so this feel aspect is what i think is missing nowadays we focus on the usability part we focus on the aesthetics but we forget about how this is going to make our users feel and we are designing for humans so the design needs to be human as well so we as designers and as product managers need to evolve from just creating usable interfaces for our yeah, users who just want to do some tasks it's not just that we want to make our users feel something and have create a product which actually makes impact in their lives and which they want to come back to you cannot always create a product which is driven by discounts and whoever throws more money the users go there you want to create loyalty you want to create fanaticism like what apple has like people lining up or how, what jordan sneakers have that whenever they release people are just sitting there for days to just grab them right that kind of fanaticism and that kind of loyalty is only created when you make your users feel something when there is a deeper meaning attached to your product and you're not just getting them from one place to another it's not just about creating something which is frictionless and which is usable you need to do more because you're designing for humans and we are actually driven by emotions do you think uh, like 
just like you said the design is supposed to create fanaticism so a good a well designed product as an example of jordan sneakers they are relevant since 1980s so does a good design prolong the life of a product yeah definitely uh, so there are actually uh, don norman actually said that there are three levels of design okay so there is the visceral design part which is totally around aesthetics and what your visceral responses are so whenever you see a um, bright light or something which is very harsh on your eyes you don't like it right that is your visceral response because but when you see something which is very soothing or very calm music you actually like it so these are your visceral level responses which you actually see right off the bat it's like love at first sight kind of thing then there is a behavioral design and in this it is all about usability how effortless or how easy something is to use how enjoyable is the experience of say using a well balanced knife to cut something so that is all around behavioral design and the third part is reflective design reflective design actually revolves around what is the impact of the product to your thoughts how it makes you feel so when you say talk about jordans it's they are good looking shoes for sure and but when it comes to the behavioral design part right there are much more comfortable shoes in the market and that price point jordan sells uh, sell for thousands of dollars at times why is that because when you wear a jordan it makes it says something about yourself it makes you feel like part of a bigger culture so that entire thing which revolves around how wearing a jordan the confidence that it gives you or how it makes you feel is the reflective design part when you say gojek in indonesia it's not just something which takes you from one point to other we do so much for the drivers we do so much for the economy and now gojek is a brand which actually makes you feel that okay this is something that is doing something for the country or say for example when you talk about google it's not just a search engine anymore it's a brand which makes you feel that okay whatever product that google will roll out will have a certain level of quality or similarly with apple like maybe the next iphone is not that great but there are so many fans which will overlook all these minor problems or usability issues because they know that okay apple is a brand which uh, means something it means something for their structure and means something when you hold an iphone and walk in um, a room so yeah it's that so there are three levels and um when all these level actually uh, think of like a venn diagram there is visceral there is behavioral this is reflective and at the center is a delightful product so you need to actually balance these out and then create a product which people love now coming to the heart of the piece uh, what was the hardest decision you ever had to take till till now in your career i think it um, started um, when i actually just um, began my career so i had to choose between something which i'm very comfortable and good at which was coding and go for something which i love which is design i was not confident at all about design that time i was a terrible designer i didn't even know the tools that time because uh, apparently in the industry everybody was using a mac and using softwares like sketch and all and i was still stuck at photoshop so uh, there was a big learning gap for me there but i knew that i like loved solving problems so whenever someone took me to a whiteboard i i've had incredible mentors over the years and they've taught me a lot so every every time someone took me to a whiteboard and we were brainstorming problems uh, solutions to problems and all that i think it just made me feel so good that i had to go with design it was a hard decision for me because it was out of my comfort zone but then i think it paid off in the end so yeah um 
I know a lot of people say that um, uh, doing what you love, uh, do what you love, and you will never work a day again in your life. And I think it's uh, you can't stress that enough. It's actually really true. Wow, uh, I think that was incredible. And um, you know, before I ask you the last question, I want to thank you for uh, coming to the podcast and talking to us. It was a very, very insightful and fruitful conversation. Uh, and I think uh, most of us, when we think about product designers, we're always thinking of it in terms of aesthetics, and we don't go beyond that. But it was, you know, very insightful to kind of learn from you that it is about the whole development process. It's you also have to worry. If, uh, you think about how the users finally react to the product. How easy is it for them to use it? So it's a whole journey that you have to take care of, not just the aesthetics part. So uh, thank you, and thank you for the. advice that you gave us to the people who might be aiming for roles like that um and like you said you know um you have to take the risk in the beginning perhaps where you're trying to go for something unconventional and you're like will this work for me will this not but if you genuinely are invested and you like and love uh, doing what you're doing i think that's going to pay off so i think your journey is a perfect example of that so thank you for being here and talking to us um now we are at the end of the podcast and uh, we leave the last 2 minutes for you to tell us anything interesting or exciting that you've been up to in the last couple of months and it could be anything professionally or personally um okay uh, so professionally i have been actually working on a very cool product right now uh, it's called go transit it's a new product in gojek where we are actually trying to integrate uh, public transportation in jakarta with the gojek ecosystem so now you can uh, say book uh, a bus ticket and a bus ride and it is actually all around multimodal experiences so what a multimodal experience is that say you have to go from point a to point b you can take multiple modes to go there you can take a scooty to go to say um the bus station and then from there you can take a bus and then again maybe you can walk to your office so all those kind of multimodal experiences are actually uh, very bumpy right now because you have to book tickets separately and you have to use multiple apps so we want to actually make that experience frictionless and delightful for our users what do you do when you're on a bus maybe you're in a metro and you miss your stop so those kind of things and those kind of problems we are trying to solve now So yeah, a lot of nuances in it will be. The app is already live, but we're already improving it, and um, there's a lot more to do in it. I'm actually going to move to Indonesia next year, I think by January or Feb, to actually be on ground and realize what problems are there, talk to our users, and actually figure out. Um, I think this um, makes me very excited about the prospects in the coming future. I hope this Corona thing gets over soon, so I can do that. Um, Personally, I think I've been at my hometown for about about three months now. So I'm spending some time with my family. I brought my dog here from Bangalore, so we're having a good time. Also, I'm uh, yeah spending a lot of money on sneakers these days because yeah, I don't have to pay rent anymore. <laughs>